real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is July 7th, 2020. Uh, and it's an interesting day. Well, for us, that is, because we're going to be talking about things that um, <laughs> a lot of people aren't talking about, and we should. We should revisit history. And now, I'm not talking about government history. Well, it's kind of government, right? Because we're talking about the mainstream media. But talking about history as to who shapes it, who tells us what we're allowed to know, how to know, and what is really driving the conversation. Because we see a lot of people uh, having opinions and making statements uh, that uh, kind of... um, Go contrary to what it means to be an American, right? So today we're going to examine something that I brought up weeks ago. Months, months, months-ish. So a couple months ago. We talked about HQC, uh, wait, HCQ, right? Mm, CHQ, to be exact. Which is News Corp's headquarters. C-H-Q. C-H. So that's uh, corporate news. Corp news. And we're going to revisit my buddy Murdoch. See, in an, in an article that I wrote uh, a few years ago, I showed pictures of Rupert Murdoch with Epstein. And a lot of other big wigs, you know, within the um, industry of social media and tech But we keep excluding, you know, many media celebs that knew about Epstein, knew how all this goes down, and did nothing. Oh, kind of like LinkedIn, Reddit, right? Well, that's social media. Let's get down to the media. Media personalities, you know, smileys. We'll talk about Starbase a little bit, or is it really Starbase? Um, And a lot of people are going to be like, what's Starbase? And you're Googling away. Not a lot of people know. It was referred to as a private investigator firm. And you know what? I'm going to tie this all into why Prince Harry left royalty. What? Yes. It's called blackmail. The beauty of blackmail and the beauty of infiltration. And the thing is... What happens? See, all of them keep insurance on each other, you guys. All of them. Everything. But what happens when there's a group of people that have all the insurance that all of them have on each other? Or is it really insurance? I don't know. So I thought we could talk about that after we recap the... Insane, I would like to say, issues that the media has been pushing forward. And of course, we're going to start with a little bit of Tucker. And then we're going to roll into Rupert Murdoch. Because this is going to be a show that you're going to be like, wait a minute, wait, 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 Tori. Are you saying Prince Harry and Meghan left because they were blackmailed? This-ish? Wait till you see it, because there's lawsuits as well. You know, Prince Harry actually filed lawsuits. Guess what? Against Rupert Murdoch. What? Yes. And Piers Morgan, lots of people love him. He's so straightforward. Yet he knew of a victim of Epstein's that everybody played was not an Epstein victim, and they were. And um, 
I'm pretty sure that the FBI already has pictures of that victim. And they played it off because somebody else so many years down the line confessed to it. That's just a hint. So here we go. Let's start with the first clip. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson's tonight. Happy Monday. One of the great unsolved mysteries of the past four years is why certain types of people with certain types of jobs hate Donald Trump so much, really hate him, obsess over him, think about him when they wake up in the morning, would hurt him if they could. Why the fixation? It has nothing to do with the reasons that normally get annoyed with Trump, the bragging, the short attention span, the rants on Twitter. None of that justifies hatred or obsession. Plenty of politicians have unappealing personal qualities. Teddy Kennedy killed a woman, and he's still a hero to the Democratic Party. No, the reason the ruling class despises Donald Trump is because they can't control him. Trump throws the bit. He refuses to mouth their lyrics. He will not obey. At any moment, Donald Trump is liable to come out with something that you're absolutely not allowed to say. Borders make countries, for example. China is our enemy. Whoopi Goldberg isn't that funny. All of it undeniably true, and that's the point and the problem. Trump's words hang in the air for all to see and to assess, and they are therefore a massive threat to people whose livelihoods depend upon fraud and lying. Trump is the most dangerous to his enemies when he tells the truth. In fact, there is enemies precisely because sometimes he does tell the truth, and he did it the other day. On Friday, the president gave a speech at Mount Rushmore. He spoke eloquently about the BLM riots and what they mean for the country. Here's part of it. Make no mistake, this left-wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American Revolution. In so doing, they would destroy the very civilization that rescued billions from poverty, disease, violence, and hunger, and that lifted humanity to new heights of achievement, discovery, and progress. To make this possible, they are determined to tear down every statue, symbol, and memory of our national heritage. Our national heritage, it's something we can be proud of. This country defeated both fascism and communism. Our revolution inspired democratic revolutions around the world, from South America to India. Even today, pro-freedom demonstrators in Hong Kong, where the stakes are very high, wave the American flag to express their hope and their defiance. Our economy and our schools created the world's first and the greatest educated middle class. Our engineers and our scientists invented the airplane and the transistor and virtually everything else in modern life. They also transformed agriculture. They ended famine on most of the globe. Our richest citizens became famous not for the palaces they built to themselves, but for the philanthropy they gave to others. Andrew Carnegie built countless libraries for the poor. John D. Rockefeller eradicated hookworm in the South. These are not the deeds of an evil country. They're the accomplishments of a great country. Yet as the president pointed out, American school children learn virtually none of this. Instead, our curricula have become a toxic mix of lies and omission, all of it designed to poison our children against the country that formed them against every law of society and nature. Our children are taught in school to hate their own country and to believe that the men and women who built it were not heroes, but that were villains. The radical view of American history is a web of lies 
All perspective is removed. Every virtue is obscured. Every motive is twisted. Every fact is distorted. And every flaw is magnified until the history is purged and the record is disfigured beyond all recognition. And see, that's the statement I wanted from this. And I want you to remember this throughout the next, you know, 40 or somewhat minutes where we're going to be breaking down these media Mongols, these, uh, you know, media personalities that play dumb. No, we're here to give you the news. No, you're not. You're here to distort, like he said, the truth, to distort history so you can't even recognize it. But I'm here to shatter that for all of you. Now, here is my most loved piece of Tucker's show. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, Tori, you're going to tell us today how Fox News is way no different than CNN. Of course I will. But why is Tucker there? That's the beauty of reality hacking. You have to make it look like you're straddling both sides, that you're being and providing equal opportunities, that everyone is, uh, you know, uh, out for the real news. So you have a few personas and a few swords that they pull out. You know, a lot of people are like, well, why is Tucker free? To say, huh? Because they they don't have insurance on Tucker. See, Tucker's way different than all the other big media personas that you see at Fox, right? The other ones at Fox, super, super duper compromised. All of them. Now, I'm not going to name names because it's not going to help me win anything, uh, you know, in this war against evil at all. It's not going to help any of us. But it's very good to know and have the knowledge and accept what the facts are. See, uh, a very wise friend of mine said something. If you, you know, keep bashing, you know, the idea of what is it? And I want to know the truth and this, 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 you know, you'll fall down a rabbit hole and you're just, you know, be devastated. Your, your, your mind will run wild and you might even go nuts. You know what you should do? Accept the things you know. So what things do we know? Fox is no different than CNN. Fox has people, all of them, all of them, compromised with only three gems. Three gems that were never, ever, ever compromised. Because they stand for what they want. And no, PJs, that one is compromised. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, I'm going to keep that name to myself. So let's take a listen to what Tucker had to say in this little tidbit. And the president retweeted it, too. Sounds like we've been saying the same thing. Right, guys? Unmolested in the city of Seattle tonight. Officials there see nothing provocative about it. So where's Joe Biden on all of this as the revolution continues to pace? Biden is supposed to be a moderate, remember? That was his chief appeal. But there was nothing moderate about Biden's 4th of July statement. Instead, it was a full-throated attack on the United States. Our country was founded on an idea. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. We never lived up to it. Jefferson himself didn't. He held slaves. Women were excluded. American history is no fairy tale. 
there's been a constant push and pull between the two parts of our character. The idea that all men and women, all people are created equal, and the racism that has torn us apart. We have a chance to rip the roots of systemic racism out of this country. That's your 4th of July message? Systemic racism? Something you can't even define that has no real definition? Really? Wagging your finger in the face of the nation that promoted someone as mediocre as you to the position you currently hold? This is the man who could soon be our figurehead. But how about the actual presidential candidate, whoever Biden picks as his VP running mate? Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois is a top contender for the job. You're not supposed to criticize Tammy Duckworth in any way because she once served in the military. Most people just ignore her. But when Duckworth does speak in public, you're reminded what a deeply silly and unimpressive person she is. Here's Tammy Duckworth from over the weekend telling us it's time to get rid of George Washington. I know that you support changing the name of military bases named after Confederate leaders, but there are leaders like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson who were slave owners, and some people are demanding that their monuments come down too. So in your view, where does it end? Should statues, for example, of George Washington come down? Well, let me just say that we should start off by having a national dialogue on it um, at some point. A national dialogue. We should name every single base they want to change to Fort Trump, Fort Donald, J. Trump, Fort Donald, just to set their heads on fire so they can explode. Please. They're not looking for any kind of colloquy. What they want is a soliloquy. We speak, you shut up and listen. So what to make of all of this? Well, it's long been considered out of bounds to question a person's patriotism. It's a very strong charge, and we try not ever to make it. But in the face of all of this, the conclusion can't be avoided. These people actually hate America. There's no longer a question about that. And yet, paradoxically, at the same time, they desperately want to control America more than anything. And so let me explain this to you. Like you said, it's a paradox. They hate America, but they want control of America. They hate America, but they want to control you. Control you. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting, isn't it? Oh, they hate America because they're, they are not in control now. And they will tell you how lovely it is when they are. So now I'm going to take you back in time. Let's see, what year are we going to this time? I'm trying to think. Is it 1967? I think it's 1967. I'm going to try to see if it's um, lined up for me here. Give me a second. I will get this for us. It's uh, pretty interesting because you're going to hear someone. And like I've said before, nobody gets into journalism or politics with the idea that they are going to get in to cause harm to people. Never. This never happens. Nobody ever enters uh, this uh, career Right. Of bringing news to the people or uh, um, fighting for liberties or uh, trying to uphold the Constitution uh, with the demise of humanity in mind. But here we're going to listen to a young Rupert Murdoch from 1967. Pay attention to what he says. Hold on. So old and I'm trying to get this done right there we go. And sort of formulate policies for. 
you, do you like the feeling of power you had as a newspaper proprietor, of being able to sort of formulate policies for a large number of newspapers in every state of Australia? Well, there's only one honest answer to that, of course, and that's yes. Uh, of course one enjoys the feeling of power. Although, if I can just hold you there for a minute, I think that this question of the power of newspaper proprietors can be greatly overdone. Um, we have certain, but we can, we have more responsibility than power, I think. The newspaper can uh, create great controversies, stir up uh, uh, arguments within the community, discussion, uh, can throw light on injustices, uh, just as it can do the opposite. It can hide things uh, and be a great power for evil. It's not a perfect system, obviously, but can you think of a better one? Uh, I think the important thing is that there'd be plenty of newspapers with plenty of different people controlling them so that there's a variety of viewpoints and that there's a choice for the public. Uh, this is the freedom of the press that is needed. Freedom of the press mustn't be one-sided just for a publisher to, to uh, speak as he pleases uh, and try and bully the community. There must be an alternative. And so long as there are alternatives, then I think that the, the public's very well protected. Certainly better protected than they'd be if the whole thing was run by a government instrumentality. That is a question of power, of course. Who's really got it, the editor or the newspaper proprietor? Do you, for instance, interfere much with your editor's policies? Yes, I do a bit. I, I get very involved in, in the newspapers themselves and in sometimes um, in public arguments that we're conducting or involved in. But, uh, on the other hand, I think that I give my editors uh, tremendous freedom um, and uh, the only people that who claim that I don't give enough freedom now are the people who didn't know how to use it. So that was Rupert Murdoch explaining to how uh, the, me the media, right, power in the media can be used for good and evil. And how it's important to uh, stay away from monopolies, which is what we have right now, right? And, uh, you know, how easy it is to obfuscate and hide information when you have that power. Because you can change the story. This is the man that owned TV Guide. This is the man that was up against Robert Maxwell, Giseline's daddy, for a few things. We're going to take a trip through history so I can tell you exactly who you're looking at and how incredible this show that you are partaking in really is. Because this is the greatest show on earth. And unfortunately, hmm, we're all part of it. We're all members of this show. We're all extras. And you know what? Stop being passive. If they've given you an extra role with so much liberty, use it. Use it the way you want to use it. Use it the way you should use it. Oh, man. I, I'm so excited to walk you through this so you could just see it. So you know what's great? There's so much stuff that they've left out there. Maybe we should start with the life and times of Media Mongol before I get to more interesting Maxwell stuff. Take a listen to this clip. Do, do you like the feeling of power you have as a newspaper proprietor of being able to sort of formulate policies for a large number of newspapers in every state of Australia? Well, there's only one honest answer to that, of course, and that's yes. 
1968, Rupert Murdoch arrived in London to negotiate the purchase of the News of the World, seeing off his only real rival, Robert Maxwell. And within a year, he had acquired and shortly after relaunched The Sun. Murdoch was here to stay, and he was determined to alter the character of British journalism. Few would doubt that Murdoch is a newspaper man. It's in his blood. His father, Keith Murdoch, was a war correspondent, and following his death in 1952, the 21-year-old Rupert left his sub-editor's job at the Daily Express in London to run the family business back in Australia. Wait a minute. Okay. So, again, I want you guys to understand this. His dad was a war correspondent. They had a family business in Australia, which is part of the Crown, right? Australian, Crown, right? London, Crown, Crown. We're going to get back to this. And so that's where he started. Okay? Heard Robert Maxwell? There's so much more. Take a listen. So began a pattern for Murdoch's career. Hostile takeovers, rapid expansion, bold risk-taking, and a hands-on approach to running his business. You don't delegate very well, I'm told. You take decisions at a very minor level, deciding what program should go on a television service, this sort of stuff. I delegate enormously. I have to. There aren't enough hours in the day to run everything. Um, I delegate everything. But when I'm around, I interfere a bit too much. It didn't take Murdoch long to make himself an enemy of the British establishment, printing gossipy stories and notoriously digging up ten-year-old dirt with the publication of Christine Keeler's diaries in 1972. But circulation figures of both his UK titles were promising, and the very nature of the popular press seemed to be evolving under his direction. Let's see what's happening in The Star this week. First, Glenn and Sarah Campbell talk about his unreleased record, Sarah's Song, and The Star prints all its lyrics for you. Then the latest on Kojak, King Kong's girlfriend, Clark Gable's son, and Rosalind Carter's second-hand inaugural gown. In 1973, Murdoch left Britain, turning his attention to the United States. He soon founded the supermarket tabloid The Star, and later purchased the New York Post. But at the start of the 1980s, perhaps sensing a natural political ally in the newly elected Margaret Thatcher, Murdoch returned to Britain, to launch a bid for the ailing Times and Sunday Times. I don't believe that the people who read the Times are any better than the people who read the Sun. I just believe they're different. But do you I'm very proud of the Sun. On the face of it, this is the establishment's worst nightmare. One of the pillars of British conservatism, run by a man known only for his populist approach. But the alternative was the very real prospect of the Times and Sunday Times falling out of business completely. Obviously, you will wonder what my plans are for the papers. Whatever proposals for progress may be developed, there will be no fundamental change in the characteristics. I am not seeking to acquire these papers in order to change them into something entirely different. Wow, what changed within like 15 years? Well, you know, from that interview of we shouldn't have monopolies, we shouldn't have someone buying up all the media, we shouldn't... Oh, wait. Huh. TV Guide. What is a TV guide? Oh, I guide you to see things. Think of that while you listen to him speak, okay? What changed? Ah, power, like I said. In the hands of every single person, you will taste that power. The hardest thing is to let it go or distribute it. You always want it. Every single human being is victim of that. I don't care who you are. Having successfully altered the character of the popular press in Britain, Murdoch set his sights on the industry itself, instigating an audacious shift from his printing plant in Fleet Street to a state-of-the-art facility in Wapping in East London. The new plant was built and developed under a shroud of secrecy and fired into operation when a Fleet Street strike was called in January 1986. Redundancy notices on the printers were served and the so-called Battle of Wapping began. 
The whopping dispute has produced some of the worst scenes of violence since the miners' strike. Hundreds of demonstrators and policemen have been injured as each Saturday the streets around the plant are turned into a battleground. This is industrial relations, Rupert Murdoch style, but it has great implications for all groups of workers. The strike lasted a year and the fallout broke the back of the Fleet Street trade unions who were forced to fall into line with Murdoch's working practices and relocate. But by this time, Murdoch had already moved on, setting his sights firmly on the advent of satellite television. Wait a minute. So this guy that was talking about how important it is to not have monopolies and to restrain your power caused one of the biggest disruption in employment, having strikes go on. And while everyone was still fighting for that, you know, paycheck, that breadcrumb that they were getting from Murdoch, huh? He decided to look to the scars. Stars. All right, welcome back, everyone. So now we're getting into the meat of things. So you understand, because you need to understand the history of this before it comes out. Because, you know, years ago when I said Fox is no better, I got a lot of heat. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It's because they are all part of it. You cannot hide truth without a megaphone. You cannot rewrite history without a megaphone. And you cannot recruit people to what your idea of what the truth should be without a megaphone. Now, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, all of them are shamelessly biased, shamelessly attacked. I mean, they make absolute, they're not hiding it at all. Rupert Murdoch, on the other hand, has a problem with the crown directly. The other don't directly. They're throwing cover like nobody's business. If Murdoch actually remembered himself and if, you know, his family would re-listen, right? Listen, not hear what he had said back then when he was ambitious, when he saw the world for what it was back in 1967 that the media hides the truth. You can shape political scenes. Oh, wait till we get to this uh, piece that I have from decades ago. Robert Maxwell at Playboy. Because Playboy used to be, you know, TNA, right? But it was a gentleman's magazine where they talked business. And you're going to see that all of these uh, people have something in common that's not common with Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch had the journalistic bug from his dad being a war correspondent, but having been a war correspondent for the crown, (laughs) not so unbiased. But you're not going to tell your kids that, are you? You're going to tell them what they want the world to know. So... Where we left it off is all these strikes happened, and then he looked to the stars, Astra, satellite, communications, and television. Five, four, three, two, one, 
By the end of the 1980s, Murdoch had the bit between his teeth. He purchased 20th Century Fox in America in 1984 and launched the Fox Broadcasting Company the following year. His plans for satellite broadcasting in Britain, meanwhile, had the media establishment reeling. What I uh, get quite angry about with him and his newspapers is the way they continually knock what has gone before, and there was more of that today. He dismissed drama and sport and comedy. I mean, he's probably never seen bread or any fools and horses. If the hemorrhage of cash can't be staunched, will you set a time limit on how long you'll take the loss in, say, five years? Oh, of course. Whether it be five years or four years or six years, that will depend on its extent. Sky's losses nearly bankrupted him, and he was forced to merge with British Satellite Broadcasting to form B-Sky B. B-Sky B then staked everything on the newly formed Football Premier League. This bold and ultimately successful move coincided with a shift in thinking in the Labour Party, who were about to concede a good deal of ground to make themselves electable. Old Labour became new Labour, Tony Blair paid court to Rupert Murdoch, and for the first time in decades, Murdoch titles began giving their backing to the Labour Party. Mr Murdoch, how would you describe your relationship with Tony Blair? Yep, he said nothing. Well, let's just pause right there. Let's remember something, okay? Let's remember HCHQ, corporate headquarters, right? Corporate headquarters. Now, he had purchased uh, that building. That was the headquarters that he had down in London. And... um, It was uh, Boris Johnson that was mayor then when they did that. Remember, the last song Beatles played was on that rooftop, right, News Corp? So um, I just want you to keep that in mind as you hear more of this. Hey, what happened? Now you're backing Tony Blair and the fake weapons of mass destruction? Tony Blair, one of the worst prime ministers of England ever? I mean, let's be honest. We can't expect Canada, England, and Australia to be the land of the free because they're all subjects. That's fact. That is fact. Okay? They do have the power to become free as the Americans had, our framers had in mind back in 1776. Now, what we are, the freedom that we are enjoying right now is an illusion. And that illusion is an echo of what should be. Okay? It's it's an echo. And we have President Trump right now trying to make that echo have that breath of life from us because we are in control. We are just being told we are not. Listen to this. I'm a supporter. Rupert Murdoch has always maintained he does not subscribe to one political ideology, but his free market, anti-union, anti-establishment and pro-consumer choice stance places him firmly in the party of individual interest. He's cunning, ruthless, single-minded, perhaps even brilliant but he's also ageing. As the 90s became the noughties, Murdoch finally began to open the door to his potential successors. First his eldest son, Lachlan, then younger son, James. You're familiar with the word mafia? Yes, Mr Watson. Mr Murdoch, you must be the first mafia boss in history you didn't know he was running a criminal enterprise. Mr Watson, please. I think that's inappropriate. Mr Chairman. 
just going home, so. So what have we seen with the revelations of phone hacking? An organization. Oh, here we go. This is where we bring it in. Phone hacking. So let's stop right there and listen and remind ourselves what they called them. Mafia. Mafia. Right? Because this is what they are. They're thugs. They hate you. They want power. And they will do so as thugs that they are, like the mobsters they are, this shadow government, these shadow rulers, right? Ha. Phone hacking. Oh, this is about to get real interesting because we're going to talk about a victim of Epstein's. That's never been labeled a victim of Epstein's. ...with a swollen sense of power and entitlement that has allowed itself to disregard any sense of moral responsibility. The anti-establishment establishment thinks it can do what it wants. Or just an overpowerful company left to graze by its aging monarch, overreaching and let down by successors charged with its care. The Leveson inquiry and the scandal of phone hacking will rumble on, as will News Corporation. The question on Wednesday is whether this is the moment that Rupert Murdoch finds a way to start a fight back. As for my comments, Mr. Chairman, and my statement, which I believe was around the closure uh, of the News of the World newspaper. Before you get to that, I would just like to say one sentence. This is the most humble day of my life. That was Rupert Murdoch's most humble day of his life. What was that um, humble day of his life? Um, let's see what we have in store for you in regards to um, Rupert Murdoch before his most humble day of his life, before he lost all the chips that he had. He went all in thinking that he had power. Dude, you don't have the same story the others have. You didn't come from Hungary. For a TV, the world king. This is 2008. Rupert Murdoch is... Um, giving a speech at um, George, uh, Georgetown University about, get this, bias in the news. Hi, I'm uh, Adam. I'm a senior in the undergraduate business school. Um, given that most of the news outlets in this country promote a certain uh, worldview, do you think the requirements of democracy are better served by a variety of biased news sources or by a variety of sources, um, all promoting an essentially neutral or unbiased point of view. So, great question, but also stupid at the same time. There is no one that can give you a neutral point of view. What does that mean? Are you trying to say that facts have a bias no matter what? A fact is a fact, naked to itself. Facts do not have opinions. Facts do not say, well, that's an opinion. No, it's a fact. So... Stupid question, but the answer tells you exactly how he sees it. It's very hard to be neutral. Uh, people laugh at us and say we're, could we call ourselves fair and balanced, whereas we call, say, and they're just in the news service business. Um, the fact is CNN was always extremely liberal, never had a Republican or a conservative voice on it. We would say any differences that we have equal voices on both sides. But that seems to have upset a lot of liberals. Um, the answer generally to your question is, you know, the more voices, the better, and the greater the variety. 
uh, and let's have them from all sides and even from extremes. Um, I think, you know, society is growing more intelligent, people can absorb this, they can reject it or accept it, uh, be challenged by it. Uh, and we see now rising, you know, uh, I mean, there's not thousands, but millions of blog sites out there, some taking themselves, a lot of them taking themselves very seriously, just a few of them catching the imagination of people. Um, but they're, they're, I, th I think that's good. No, I, I, I think the, you know, the more voices, the better. The more voices, the better. And that's why I said that I, with newspapers, I regret that they've come down to monopolies very largely where there's only been one voice. And that voice tends to all follow uh, one leader. And uh, so we're trying to produce an alternative. Huh. Interesting, right? Well, here's where you're going to listen to some secret audio after ABC tells you why Rupert Murdoch had the worst, you know, humbling moment. Folded today, the famously powerful and intimidating Rupert Murdoch, whose global media empire includes the Wall Street Journal and Fox, begged forgiveness from a grieving family victimized by his reporters. He is caught at a scandal that continues to grow by the minute engulfing his giant company. And ABC's Jeffrey Kaufman in London tells us what happened today. Jeffrey. Well, good evening, Diane. You know, you don't see this very often. A corporate titan, the head of one of the largest media companies in the world, a man with a reputation for ruthlessness, on bended knee, asking a family for forgiveness. But that's exactly what Rupert Murdoch did today. Do you guys remember this, where he was on a bended knee asking for forgiveness? We forget this. <laughs> because this is key. This will tell you why Prince Harry and Meghan left. This will explain to you their lawsuit. And it'll also show you how Piers Morgan knew. Because you heard about it. The hacking scandal. Oh, wait. It gets better. It gets way, way better. His life's work, now stained by scandal. His grip on his global empire in peril. A contrite Rupert Murdoch came to say he is sorry as onlookers waiting. screamed, shame on you. This is the first time Murdoch has no, spoken since this scandal exploded. The founder of the company, I was appalled to find out what had happened. And I apologize, and I have nothing further. With that, the Titan turned and left. He was apologizing to the parents of Millie Dowler, who disappeared in 2002. It was revealed the girl's voicemail had been hacked and messages deleted by a reporter, giving the Dowlers false hope that she was alive. She had been murdered. What? Did you hear that? Let's rehear that again. Let's just rehear that once more. Hacked and messages deleted by a reporter, giving the Dowlers false hope that she was alive. She had been murdered. Dowler's lawyer described Murdoch as humble. Yes, he did apologize. He apologized many times. I don't think somebody could have held their hands in their head in their hands so many times to say that they were sorry. Okay, I just want you guys to know that this was in 2011. This is like, you know, almost 10 years after the girl went missing. Okay, almost 10 years. Murdoch admitting he disgraced his father and his mother 
who is alive at 102. He said the word sorry. This was not the standard set by his father. Wait, you did hear that. His mom was 102. I just thought I'd point it out. Respect your journalist, not the standard set before by his mother. And Murdoch will say it again tomorrow. He is taking out this full-page ad in all the London newspapers. But apologies may not be enough. There are criminal investigations here and now by the FBI looking at one allegation that Murdoch's paper tried to hack into the voicemails of families who lost loved ones on 9-11. And Diane, the casualties just keep coming. The head of Murdoch's operations here, Rebecca Brooks, resigned today. And in New York, the man who runs the company that runs the Wall Street Journal, Les Hinton, he resigned too. He used to be here. As for the Dowler family, they told one of the most powerful men in the world that they could forgive him, but they could not forget. All right, so I'm going to tell you what happened. So, hacking scandal, they say, right? So, yes, hacking scandals. But why did they target Rupert Murdoch? Why was this such a big deal back in 2011? If you remember, right, back in 2009, we had the Epstein trials and all this stuff was coming out, and it was just like a hot mess. And then, uh, you know... Uh, journalists were coming up dead. There was so much going on. Barack Hussein Obama's uh, ilk had expanded. And this is where he realized, ooh, you know, this is no good. So this hacking scandal, supposed, deleted, was actually not done by anyone else but Starbase. Now people were like, yeah, that was like a private investigative firm. Maybe we should ask Brennan about that. 9-11 victims, right? So they were hacking voicemails in order to hear what loved ones left as messages. Is that it? When it remember, this is 2001. We had flip phones then, right? And we'd pull on antennas out then. Are you paying attention? We were hacking then? Wait, who was hacking? Wait, are you saying, wait, Starbase private investigative firms would dial up, right? We're doing this. Listen, Listen, listen carefully what they're saying. Now, I want you to know that Piers Morgan himself had admitted that he knew about illegal voicemail hacking. Okay. And there's a lot of evidence out there um, about Piers Morgan and hacking. Okay. And so uh, it's very important that people focus on the past and understand They, the way this is being shaped is that if Piers Morgan, who was such a big name, now he's a personality, had said something, Millie Dowler's phone might not have been hacked. Now, Millie Dowler, if you look at her picture, I'm sure you can find her on some footage with Epstein, right? I think you can even place her on the island. Now, the funny thing is, is that uh, he was an editor, a journalist, and everyone's shaming him because if he would have spoken up, her phone might not have been hacked. Now, Piers Morgan is an asset. Do not think that he's a simple guy, you know, um, of how, uh, you know, he speaks and does and whatever. Uh, he wrote a book in 2005. I've read it. Um, the Insider. This, this book, right? And um, he said that 
on on the 26th of January, 2001, he was warned that people might be listening to his voicemails. Wait a minute. You mean the NSA? Oh, wait. You mean Global Strategies Group? So um, apparently, if you don't change a standard security code that comes with your phone, back then you used to put PIN numbers to listen to your voicemail, then people would just hack into it. It was a little trick. Um, which is true, but no one really used the generic one. It's like, but you would think, but whatever. They would have to have your phone number and then, you know, wait for the beep and push buttons because it was all tone. But that was not the concern because that could be cracked through GSG real easy. So by his own admission, he knew how hacking was done and what the issues are. So people were trying to say, well, you should have said something. Think. There's so many journalists that knew about this. So many journalists that knew that they were phone hacking, supposedly, right? Uh, it's kind of like hacking passwords, right? Only you're hacking a phone. Yet they pin it on him, and the question is, why Piers Morgan? Mm. Maybe he knew something. Well, the funny thing is, is that executives um, at um, the tabloid, right, of the Mirror Group about Millie Dowler hacking, um, said that they paid a private investigative firm called Starbase, which was linked to all these hacking, phone hacking. Where is Starbase? They were never brought to justice, right? Rupert Murdoch paid a million pounds to the family um, because the phone was hacked. Now, I want to tell you that the person that supposedly killed her has been denying he ever killed her. Interesting. But here's where it gets really sexy. The Duke of Sussex is suing The Sun, Newsworld, and Daily Mirror for allegedly hacking his stuff. This is a lawsuit Prince Harry filed in 2019 against... The um, news group papers, let me, you know, Murdoch, right? And MGN Limited. I'm, I'm, did you know this? Oh. So, again, tell me, phone hacking, right? Today, if I want to hack your phone and listen to your voicemail, do you get a generic password? No, you don't, right? You don't get a generic password. You actually have no voicemail unless you activate it. So ask yourself this. Murdoch's Teflon CEO, Rebecca Brooks, was the editor of The Sun when Harry was allegedly targeted by private investigators. You know what's funny? You see this? See, how many times have I said if you straddle both sides of the fence, at some point that fence is going to go up your tush? You're going to slip, and this is the slip. Now, while many of you tell, while many think that Starbase was responsible for hacking Prince Harry, what people need to understand is that there's a barrage of digital soldiers out there that have skills beyond anything. And imagine what was hacked for him and Megan to step down from the crown while throwing these lawsuits. Are you paying attention? Because this is important. Because we need to speak about uh, Millie. Millie who went missing. And how they found her murderer who confessed, who confessed, okay, 
Uh, what was it? When did he confess? Was it? Um, I'm trying to remember. He confessed in. Uh, was it twenty? Um, twenty sixteen. That's right. Okay, he was found guilty. Sorry, of the murder and given a, a life sentence. Um, he always denied that he killed Millie, but he admitted to killing her. Are you listening? In twenty sixteen. What? Wait. But you didn't murder her and you stayed not murdering her. And then they charged you with crimes for murder and attempted murder. And while you're in court with all these life sentences, you decide to admitting to it. But then Levi Belfield, who was the murderer, denies that he ever made the confession. Now, I just want you to know that Belfield now is in jail. And guess what? He goes by the name Yusuf Rahim and he's converted to Islam. So I want you guys to take that as you will and think about it. Look at to what extent they've gone to. Right. Look at to what extent they've gone to to cover up one girl that went missing. Wrong target that they picked. This goes back to Jeffrey Epstein. Hmm? How many reporters knew about this? Apparently, reporters hacked. Think about it. How many journalists out there are really journalists and not assets? I mean, they all get all this juicy information, right? So how many of them are not assets? None. They're all reality hackers. You don't have any one in there. That's just the journal. Well, actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. There's one, two. Two people that you will see on your big screen TV across all channels. We're talking CNN, MSNBC, and the two people are the people that I can't find any connections with. So MSNBC, CNN, CBS, ABC, right? Because when I say asset, yeah, Tucker's one of them. Okay, when I say asset, I mean from both sides, right? Good and bad. Because I know I, ha- I hate this, but we have assets that are working against the people and then assets that are working against those that are working against the people. So in essence, they're also reality hacking. I mean, either way you look at it. Shadownet is everywhere. I'll see you guys after this short break. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, and I have with me a very special guest, and um, I am going to let him tell you about him and what, where you can find him uh, about his book before we delve into like the, the underbelly or the more expose-ish type um, 
uh, things of the intelligence community. So Patrick Berge, welcome to the Tory Sess show. And um, I am so excited to have you on with me so we could talk about all the things that are happening that we are seeing and what we are expecting to see um, coming forward through the intelligence community. Well, thank you very much for having me on and uh, helping me with uh, getting this uh, conversation started. Yeah, no, um, I, I want you, first of all, to tell my audience where they can find you on social media. And I want you to give a nice synopsis of your book. All right. Um, on uh, social media, uh, you can find me on YouTube at uh, PFC 40 book, PFC 40 book. And I have uh, uh, the American Awakening uh, channel on there. And uh, I, I would really appreciate any help that I can get to get, uh, if I get, I think about 500 more um, subscribers, I'll be able to live stream from my, from my bike while I'm going across, uh, uh, basically across the country, uh, heading up to Michigan next, right? Um, but you're going to so, stop off uh, at my place first for coffee at least. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, and all these uh, people are listening. So, you know, I'm going to be like, I'm going to call you out if you don't turn up. So, hey. No, well, coffee. I love coffee, right? So, absolutely. Absolutely. That's not a problem. Um, and uh, you can also find out a lot of information that I've put out, uh, which you can, in, along with, um, uh, you know, fact, witness documents and everything, uh, at victimoftheswamp.com. And then uh, I'm broadcasting a lot of what I'm doing here um, on freedomstream.tv, which is kind of tied to the veterans-based nonprofit that we talked about and that I'm very much looking forward to Tori being a part of. Yeah, so am I. And, and you should tell everyone about that too. Yeah, that's really cool, right? It's a, it's a sort of trying to bring uh, the um, VFW into the, you know, uh, more of the cyber age, uh, cyber warfare capabilities. So we're basically building out um, 501c19 VFW style uh, cyber cafes, and they're called uh, Freedom Stream Cafes. And um, each of these cafes, you know, we'll have the cheap liquor, right? Uh, we'll have coffee, though, also. And they're more like cyber cafes because the next generation of uh, soldiers um, really can if they're if they're more involved with an organization like ours and we can bring in the VFW members and such, the younger generation can really help the older generation more, whereas uh, the VFW is really struggling right now. And so a lot of other organizations during this pandemic. Right. So um, being able to help them uh, is, is what this organization is all about. And in the process, each facility as we open up. We'll host a two to two to ten petabyte data center, right? So we're kind of building as we go a national public database in the spirit of national public radio and national uh, and and like Corporation for Public Broadcasting that was trying to give Americans in a, a, a safe haven from um, uh, propaganda like, influenced by the government or influenced by corporations, right? We've done that for radio and TV, but nobody's done that for, uh, the internet and every, and, and the internet is the biggest issue right now when it comes to the potential, uh, uh, 
influence of Americans in very, very bad ways, right? So uh, we'll be able to hopefully maybe fix some of that, the fake news, some of the threats that people face on the World Wide Web and do it with some cheap liquor in the process. I like the idea. No, <laughs> no, that is that is that is an excellent idea um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, Voice of America, that's one thing that I've been very vocal about, um, mm-hmm. you know, on my show is completely uh, it's complete propaganda. We have, you know, very bad people within our, you know, State Department that mm-hmm. um, uh, pretty much uh, control the messages like in Korea Right. That's Mm. the big one. And I've been outing Admiral Harris for, you know, the the snake that he is. And I still don't know why he's there. I mean, he's the one that leaked the BS uh, in regards to Kim Jong Un, not BS, but he leaked it. And Korea hasn't been the same since they lost Bell. General Bell. He was a good man. Yes, yes, I agree. And uh, but the thing is, South Korea has changed in respects to its importance. See, before it was just there, right? And it was important mm-hmm. to maintain peace on the peninsula, keep eyes out in Asia Pacific. You know, they were supposed to be our eyes and ears of APAC, and then that all shifted. God knows mm-hmm. to where it got shifted, right? Brennan took hold of that on the intelligence side when he took over APAC, you know, in the 90s, and that was it, it was gone. We don't know mm. where it went. Well, we do know that Gina Haspel dabbled in it a little bit, right? She she has she dabbled in it. Now, yes. I want you guys. I want you right now to tell my listeners a kind of brief uh, brief synopsis of what ShadowNet mm-hmm. is. Okay, so ShadowNet is a um, basically a taxpayer funded uh, social media psychological warfare application we developed. Uh, that I that I helped in pioneering back in 2007 with a company called Dynology, which was owned by General James Jones, right? Um, One of my favorites. Son, Everybody I, knows I that. Answered, I answered directly to General James Jones, uh, well, to his son. And, you know, um, so we built it, – it's, it's very much if you've heard recently heard the, uh, the McChrystal issues, right? Um, the deal with uh, General McChrystal using taxpayer-appropriated DOD psychological warfare Oh, you mean, yeah, for the 2018 elections that he mm-hmm. used. With that shill, I, I, I think I, I actually wrote an article about that, um, you know, telling people that we have our generals literally hijacking our reality so they can push the candidates they want and the ideologies they want. And it was impressive to see that the San Francisco Gate had actually put a piece about that out. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same thing. But um, what we did is uh, when we finished the development of the, uh, of the uh, applications and the, the capabilities in um, our contract ended in 2008 uh, in Iraq, we kept the intellectual property rights, uh, brought it back with us, leaving, leaving uh, the four psychological operations group on the front lines empty handed, right? Uh, and just kind of sitting there. They were really upset with that at the time, as a matter of fact. And um, we took it back, and uh, General Jones monetized it commercially um, with one of the purposes uh, of it. You know, it had a lot of – they were marketing in a lot of different ways, but one of the, one of the uh, key marketing points of this was it could alter the outcome of a, 
of an election for a fraction of the cost. And you no mean, one would hold ever on. know because it's yeah. completely non-attribution. But what I want people to know is, is that this is where Brennan hopped in and this is what we were working on, which is something. So he was by Barack Hussein Obama's side before Barack Hussein Obama threw his hat in the race. He was the the Hussein whisperer. And so the, mm-hmm. everybody even says that the only reason Barack Hussein Obama won the elections was with the use of the internet. And this is mm-hmm. where General Jones actually deployed his concept into fruition, uh, beating someone, uh, you know, the kingmaker McCain, right? The songbird, the most horrific mm-hmm. person. I mean, I am appalled that he had such a state funeral. I mean, we haven't seen a funeral mm-hmm. like that in, in, in ages, right? Yep. I don't think we had one like that for Bush. You know, it was horrific to just even watch it. And that's where he did his proof of concept. So this is where, you know, I'll tell your listeners right now something that I almost guarantee none of them know. Easily verifiable um, through FEC filings. But General Jones, his relationship goes back uh, to, you know, 40 years to the Vietnam War where uh, McCain was his captain. Right. So they have a friendship, a relationship bonded in combat. Right. Those are very strong relationships. So um, uh, Jones goes up through the ranks. He gets uh, he gets his commission to general by uh, by Clinton, as a matter of fact. And um, uh, he back in 2000 or so, he opened Dynology. Right. Which was doing uh, DOD contracts, right? This is why he's commandant of the Marine Corps. As he's NATO Supreme Allied Commander, he's doing DOD contracts with his son, right? It's, 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 just, a, it's just a bad practice. It is. So when, but what most people don't know is that General Jones, our company, Dynology, was John McCain's IT security company, social media company, up and through to the primary in 2008 right so if you think about and then um and in this kind of irked jim at the time i remember that uh somebody came in from the rnc after mccain won the primary uh kicked uh dynology down to i believe either out of the contract or sub i can't really make it out based on fec filings it looks like they went from they went to a sub and were paid 140,000 or so uh, from the McCain campaign, and then uh, um, uh, Paul Manafort's company, Three EDC, with Manafort, uh, Roger Stone, and uh, and um, uh, uh, Rick Davis, they um, took the prime position. So now you have General Jones's company, lifelong friend of John McCain, now kicked to the curb as the sub, not the prime. And then a couple months later, you have. General Jones being tapped first by Obama as his secretary of state. Then something happened. He didn't even give uh, Jones a heads up. And uh, a couple days later came out and announced that he was uh, tapping Hillary Clinton for secretary of state and then came back to, to Jones and said, you know, would you be my national security advisor instead? I'm wondering did Jones do something? Uh, You know, I mean, he was his IT security company. He would have had access to everything the McCain campaign had. And if you remember, there were leaks through that. 
So a lot of people don't realize that. And then the person who was the head of McCain's campaign IT company ends up becoming McCain's opponent's national security advisor, one of the most senior positions in the cabinet. And so that begs the question, did Obama use Jones and the shadow net to help influence selection, the election, and the payoff be his position as either Secretary of State or National Security Advisor. And if Jones stop, had stop. Left wait a minute, office, wait a minute, Bergie. Are you yes. asking the question? We already know the answer. We yeah, know but I'm and, well. Cool. What I was going to say is, if Jones had left office and opened up a little tiki bar or something in 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 the Keys. We wouldn't even be having this conversation, but there's a legitimate conversation to be had in the fact that Obama's national security advisor was actually John McCain's IT security company throughout the primary. And we would like to know, I would like to know anyway, did Paul Manafort and 3EDC, um, were they using the same things that the Democrats tried to accuse Trump of in 2016? Um, through that group, through that company, Psy Group, of influencing the the delegates during the Republican convention in 2016, I want to know: Did they use the Did they use the shadow net, which it's designed to do, um, to influence the Republican delegates in the 2008 primary? I think Republicans would want to know this. But the I Republicans think Democrats do. Want to know. But that's the thing. Republicans, Democrats, they're oh, they're all using it right now. We're seeing Shadownet being used for simple things like marketing products, right, mm-hmm. and influencing yeah. us to shop somewhere. Like these are weapons that were created to go after our enemies, and now they're deploying them on us on all levels. They have mm-hmm. shifted and shaped elections. You know, I. Uh, believe that Shadownet was actually deployed, uh, you know, against Trump, you know, propping up people like Cruz and Rubio, um, yes. you know, uh, to, to take him down. But they they didn't expect uh, that uh, President Trump's message would be so effective. You um, want me to give you a direct legitimate connection to that very claim that you're making mm-hmm, right there? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen that movie by Oliver Stone, um, Ukraine on Fire? There was a girl that was one of the top people in Obama's 08 um, campaign handling social media. After the campaign, she left the Obama campaign, uh, didn't go into the White House, left the Obama campaign and and went to work for Ted Cruz, right? Um, After that, she went to work for Cambridge Analytica. Now, General Jones is directly tied to Cambridge Analytica. He, him and General Hayden are on the board of directors of, uh, or on the board with uh, 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 Wikistrat, which Wikistrat is just basically a think tank that goes out and tries to collect journalists, right? It's like a journalist trap. And I've actually spoken to a former employee of uh, Wikistrat who um, uh, said that he, you know, based on what he described to me, it sounded like the emails they were sending out to journalists, right, um, to try to get them to uh, come work for their think tank actually may have had payloads on them that would allow an organization like Wikistrad, if that's in fact what they were doing, to collect 
potentially blackmail information on the very journalists they're trying to get brought into their organization. How's that for interesting? Very but that interesting. girl is directly connected to, she went to work for um, uh, Ted Cruz. She went from Obama to Cruz to Cambridge Analytica. And you can connect Jones to every one of the, well, I, I, I couldn't give you a, a connection to Cruz to Jones, but definitely you have a connection to Jones is Obama's national security advisor. He owns the shadow net. And I've said for a couple years now, that the Cambridge Analytica application and what they were doing was exactly the same de description of what you would do with the shadow net. And you have the same people that were involved in both of those, right? That's not a coincidence. No, it's not. And the thing is, I've been um, telling my listeners for a very long time, what you are seeing is just a show. It doesn't even exist. It's all fake. You know, mm. it's all we're all uh, just, uh, you know, uh, extras with um, roles that are open and they're just, you know, kind of improv. Right? Mm -hmm. Our lives are their improv. But um, I wanted to go back to um, Afghanistan and their elections between 2002 and 2005. So uh, that was something that um, uh, uh, John Brennan was very involved in. Mm -hmm. And it was to um, kind of um, uh, look on how it would shape their ability to vote the right way. And this was using ShadowNet. Now, this one was more deployed before the software was actually fully completed, right? Um, if, you, mm -hmm. if you remember, um, uh, there was the Office for Reconstruction and Humanitarian Assistance uh, that was called the Coalition Provisional Authority. Uh, oh, yeah. Had, yeah, from Kuwait to Baghdad, right? And, yes. Yeah, and so... The this this um, group of people that included people like me uh, were mm. responsible to ensure that there was a green zone, um, you know, and to protect CPA leadership. Right. The coalition provisional authority leadership. And, mm. you know, this was done using reality hacking, obviously, right? Because there were so many things to do. You had to make sure that, you know, because at that time we had taken down all their currency, right? In Iraq, mm. if you remember, we destroyed it and they had to revamp their currency and bring it up. But we did give them a lot of five cent gas. We, did. <laughs> I mean, it was theirs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, it was theirs. But we gave it back to them cheaply, though. Right. So it's like the thing that we're fighting on is like we're selling our milk to Canada, and then they send they sell it back to us, and it was like, but it was ours in the first place. But yeah, these, yeah, this is you know the way they pose it is that as if it's like a, a way to critically uh, to manage uh, critical data. This is how it was always pushed um, mm -hmm. to most of these organizations. And this is why we were able to hack them. Now, um, TAC and SFA were actually um, purchased by um, Global Securities Group, right? Back mm -hmm. in 2009. A lot of people don't know that. And the reason that happened was because SFA and TAC were compromised because uh, Brennan was not careful. Mm 
It was at the time that Barack Hussein Obama was getting uh, elected. They finally succeeded. Uh, the deployment mm-hmm. of the strategies that they used, because they used two strategies, one on McCain, one on Obama, to see just how they can uh, model the next candidate, right? They needed the predictive analytics to be perfect. So they all deployed ShadowNet and, uh, you know, they, they, they had McCain have a more hybrid-ish but lower on the cyber side, um, you know, presence where they used Obama completely, like they had really went full force with deployment cyber, right? So then, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we all had to cover up things, right? Uh, that's what they do. They cover things up and the media kind of helped with that right? a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. And uh, yeah. so we took information out of the State Department, kind of like, you know, Brennan was like, oh, you know, uh, TAC, you know, the, the contracting company um, that was found, it wasn't TAC, it was a subcontractor of TAC. I don't even remember, like they've said so many lies that you can't even keep track of who they said, what they said. But in the end, we know they pinpointed three people. One of them committed suicide, right? For taking data, passport data and travel data out of the State Department. When in fact, it was me with a rugged drive being told to go and move it. Like Mm. I've said that, like nobody acted like it was like, take the drive and load it all there because now we're going to move it to a new location. That was what was said. And then people Mm. should question them. Well, hold on a second. Are you saying that contractors have databases that are government databases? Would you answer that for me, Patrick? (laughs) Well, the shadow net was ran out of Dynology's office in Vienna, Virginia, in Tyson's Corner. Um, The government wanted us to put it on a classified network. But Dynology gave them a, 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 an intentionally false overpriced bid uh, to make sure that it didn't go on a classified network so it could stay there so that they could then later commercially sell it. If, if it went on a classified network, you wouldn't be able to do that, right? So absolutely, they, they run these off the servers, uh, their own servers, generally in their own headquarters, but I've been on plenty of... And as I'm sure you have been in plenty of very interesting server farms. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, we did have one of the most prolific servers that everyone's looking for emails in a toilet in a basement guarded by an uh, uncleared Pakistani, if you remember, (laughs) Clinton's little server that um, had full and uh, unfettered access to uh, other server networks, Mm -hmm. which was the problem. And the. The trouble with all of that is when you start moving things around, the government's horrible at logistics, try as they may, right? And so you're going to end up making copies of copies of copies, and they get separated and scattered around. Some, some end up getting dermoed, uh, crushed and destroyed, or just repurposed in another organization. So it's, you know... Uh, when I hear people talking about like trying to track down a server or you'll never find it. No, you know, once it's been made uh, and it gets into the system of the government, either through contracts or through, you know, God forbid their own logistics. um, (laughs) Good luck trying to really truly know where everything is. And 
You know, yeah, if no. you've got, if you're going to get rid of it, good luck to that. And if yeah, you're going to try to find happen. it. That doesn't happen. That's the thing. That's what I've been saying. Everybody, huh. there, there are people that have all the insurance everybody has on each other. Um, mm. I, I actually published an article in 2018 on big league politics, um, referring to crossfire hurricane, but I, titled it Hurricane Electric because Hurricane Electric, I don't know if you've worked with them through Dynology. Mm -hmm. They were one of the biggest server companies for government, uh, you know, offices and agencies. Uh, Mm -hmm. And their spiel was kind of like, you know, file sharing systems. There's bits and bits of information on different pieces on on servers scattered around the world, uh, Germany and Canada Mm -hmm. being one of those nations. And it's like the information is all out there. Right? Yeah, but the information is all out there. Like, what are you talking about? We can't find it. No, you don't want to find it. Because there's so many people that have it, and none of them are going to come on the record and say, I have it. Because, Mm. you know, they're going to, I don't know, jump off a building or commit suicide or Mm. accidentally work out in a gym at 4 a.m. and drop a barbell on their neck. Because these are like Mm. real things that happen. So, so ShadowNet um, takes all this information uh, Mm -hmm. around you know, from your social media and everything, and then just spills out uh, kind of a predictive analysis of where this person or that situation will lead, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, the funny, let me, uh, I think you, you, your listeners got to gotta hear uh, something that transpired between you and I the first time we ever had a conversation, right? And you and I talked a, a while back. I couldn't tell you how long ago, but it was a while back. And um, you had no idea. You were getting ready to do something. If I remember right, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were getting ready to do something on Clearforce. And then I bring up the fact that the shadow net was actually the core of what Clearforce was built from. And you were like, what? (laughs) No, I'm just getting ready to, was that, that was our conversation, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was about the magic wheel. Okay, so for having that contract um, with the with the court systems. And I knew that they had the special algorithm with predictive analytics, but I had no idea that Clearforce was deploying ShadowNet for mm -hmm. uh, background checks on people, which is like their new product that they gave to DC courts. So the problem that you have, right, is look at right at Clearforce's website. They show you that they scan both at work and outside of work your social media, your real-time criminal background, um, foreign travel. Okay, Tori, how do they provide, how do they get, where do they get their data that they say State they're collecting? Department, Interpol, travel. UK, okay. right? I was five just eyes. being facetious, right? I know. So I'm going to be the one know. on the side. <laughs> so, so they're taking all of that data and they're collecting it and they're building uh, predictive um, models like minority report, like predictive behavioral models to determine whether or not you steal or leak. And those predictive models are being sold to, they're available for any corporation, any company, any law firm, Walmart, anybody who wants to go and um, have uh, either pre-employment or, you know, potentially your, your existing employees scanned to predictively determine if they're likely to steal or leak, right? And, and by Obama's national security advisor and Obama's 
CIA director, Michael Hayden. If you think that, if, if anybody thinks that's okay, and that's far beyond like social media manipulation, that's the, you know, the, the, the next iteration of the, you know, the shadow net, um, uh, 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 project or program. Right. No, it is. That's insane. It is. But that's one facet. People need to understand that if I have my own business, say I own like a big box company or a little box company. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's pretend I open up a, a, a firm of my own, a, a business of my own. And I'm like, we just do interpret, which I kind of do, but I'm the only employee. Right. But mm-hmm. this is what we do. I can pay Clearforce and they can get me a chart that will tell me, uh, you know, how you will perform as an employee um, if you can get clearance and how likely you are to abide by that clearance. And you know how they do mm-hmm. that. They take your social media, like you said, they take information mm-hmm. from the State Department to see where you travel. GP GPS mm-hmm. communications from Google, uh, you know, uh, telephone calls, whichever ones are recorded, which are through what Facebook Messenger, right? That's mm-hmm. where they listen. Videos that you make, things you like on YouTube, things you don't like on YouTube, conversations you may have with people in places with microphones that are monitored, you know, mm-hmm. the whole nine or bathrooms with um, mirrors. <laughs> That's a, that's yeah. that's something that I've been working on, which was so bizarre. But it, so they use that in the private sector and the government. They collect everything. Mm-hmm. They don't need just your voluntary information that you put out there anyway. Mm-mm. They have memorandums of understandings with agencies that they can pull information from criminal databases, non-criminal databases, work databases, everything, and create your AI. Guys, didn't I tell you your AI profile? file knows you better than you it could tell you when you're getting married if you're getting Mm -hmm. married uh, how many kids you may or may not have who you like how likely you are to go on a date not go on a date they'll predict everything and they watch everything now when we spoke i was working on the on the thing where i had come into uh some information that i was able to see but not retain just for purposes of not going to to get raided Mm -hmm. or anything that uh, the magic wheel that they use in dc courts and in the eastern district of virginia is actually Mm -hmm. a product uh that michael hayden and um jones have put together and basically what it does is it takes the pool of all jurors that are available uh to be in a grand jury or a regular jury and it picks the pool of jurors that you're going to, and I'm using air quotes, randomly select Mm -hmm. to get the outcome you want. And Mm -hmm. this is why it was, it it was so blatant with Mm -hmm. Roger Stone because they needed very biased people to make sure. uh, Roger should have hired Clearforce. (laughs) Can't do that. Clearforce was already hired by the other side. So he can't. (laughs) But the thing is, the thing is, I filed those complaints. I put how them many, forward. Real quick, real quick. How many, like, poor Americans or, you know, people living in the, you know, or, or, or guys get that got picked up, you know, smoking a joint are going to have access to this competitive advantage in our legal system, right? They basically digitized Hillary's privilege 
<laughs> For real, they did. Yes, they did. Yeah. And the thing it's is, the highest bidder. it is, it is. And it's so incredible how, you know, everyone is like, well, I keep privacy. I use VPNs. VPNs don't do smack. Uh, VPNs the only- go through China most ex- of them. Well, most of them. But the thing is, a lot of people <laughs> have this false, you know, idea that their VPNs cover them, that nobody mm-hmm. can see, uh, you know, what they're doing, how they're doing it, when they're doing it, when in fact they see everything. I mean, if we really yeah. wanted to, Patrick, we could just hop on specific systems and see everything. Uh, you know, and, and, and the point of this is earlier I was telling people how, you know, Rupert Murdoch was like in the middle of this supposed phone hacking scandal from his, you remember that girl that went missing and they said they hacked her phone with passwords, mm. right? Mm. But the thing is, what people missed was that Prince Harry filed a recent lawsuit in 2019 against Rupert Murdoch's company for, again, voicemail hacking. Now, using a company called Starbase. Now, you've heard of Starbase, right? Have you? Mm, no. Well, Starbase, they say, is a PI company, but Starbase is um, is, uh, is a group of people within GSG. So that's really weird. They aren't out of Florida, are they? Um, oh, okay. I'm going to complete the fifth on that one. Can I? Mm-hmm. Can I? Because, Probably not the same Well, people. you know, West Palm Beach and all, Epstein, yeah. Because that girl actually went missing and uh, no one found her. And then the murderer uh, in 2016, so the girl went missing 2002, confessed. But he was like, I never confessed. <laughs> <laughs> and they, like, just put that to bed. Oh, yeah, that's it. Uh, her family got a million dollars because supposedly one of their reporters. And, Patrick, you know, I think I may be the only one saying it. But can you tell people how reporters that we see on TV aren't really just reporters? Oh dear God! I know. Oh dear God! I it's it's uh, um, you understand uh, like what a your your listeners understand what like uh, 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 the largest DC oil oil lobby would be right. So and that that's by like New York Times uh, listed them as one of the largest oil lobbies in DC. That would be Jones Group International, right? The vice president of Jones Group International, who had to have been sitting right next to Jim Jones, because they're all in the same office, all the same address, who had to have known about the shadow, right? Which the shadow net is designed to um, uh, manage assets like journalists or, you know, entire programs or whatever the target is, whatever the mission is. It, It, you know anonymously manages and and handles all that. So a person who literally has and owns the shadow net, the vice president of that company uh, is a host on Fox news. And two days after I met with judge Janine Pirro, who I thought was somebody of honor that I could trust. And I spoke to her on the phone two days after I spoke to her on the phone and she had responded back to me stating uh, that she was working on it. Two days, maybe a day and a half later, uh, General Jones is showing up at Fox News with Jillian Turner, and they're posting it on Instagram, just happy as could be that she's getting to interview her old boss, which wasn't her old boss because she was actually still working. According to Pastor Dave, a, a report that he did, uh, she was still working for Fox News. At the time, she was a, a, the vice president of a, of a D.C. oil lobby right? That owns the shadow net. And so 
Pirro killed my story right after speaking to Congressman Nunes. Um, Sarah Carter killed my story same time as as Judge Pirro. I'm figuring they got pressure from someone like Murdoch, who Murdoch sits on the the, the board of uh, Atlantic Council, and uh, Jones was the chairman of the board of Atlantic Council. Um, John Huntsman was chairman of the board. He tapped Jones to replace him, but he was chairman of Atlantic Council, and his daughter is a little Fox News asset, uh, Abby Huntsman. So, yeah, no, um, and that's just, those are just part of it. Those are the ones I figured out and have like a personal fact witness connection to the shadow net. Don't even get me started on MSNBC with seriously Mika Brzezinski. She's like the daughter of Zbigniew who's like, Oh my, you know, that's trilateral Atlantic council, all of these people. So what is the shadow net designed to do? It's designed to manage all these people, right? Using anonymity, non-attribution. You can't have providence of, of who's sending that out. Well, but well you know, the it, thing it, is... It's how everybody ends up with using the same little words, the same little definitions on all these different channels. No. Those are all managed through an application like the Shadow Net. Exactly. The Mockingbird, that's what I was getting to. Operation Mockingbird, where they all say the same thing and they all get the same drop, is done by an application. Um, mm-hmm. And they are given cues on what to speak. And there's a lot of people. There is not one journalist out there, not one well, no, I lied. There's two, two on mainstream that I have not found any connection, right, that are not owned, guided, or mm-hmm. fed the information that they must put out. Um, mm-hmm. And that is a fact. This is my opinion. Mm-hmm. This is fact. When we see foreign news correspondents, right, in the war zone, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, they're just doing honest work. It's like, okay, so some of them at CNN are usually in a green screen, never like mm-hmm. really out there, right? But those that actually go out there are all assets. They've all gone through some specific training to be there. And I know this from... M- my work with Hastings when I came in contact yeah. with Hastings and yeah. you know, I knew he was an asset. He was just really pissed. Mm-hmm. He was pissed. Yeah. At the I'm things fully, that he saw. I, every, all the evidence I see of Michael Hastings is that he was an asset for Jones specifically. And he was upset at just how much control it was because it was one thing. See, a lot of people don't understand that when you're in it and you're working for them, you really are told that, um, you know, uh, you're there uh, to do good. I did. I was mm-hmm. told that. I mean, everything that I've been doing, we're doing mm-hmm. working for the common good and everything. Um, but then there's only there's, there's that one point in your life or one mission or one thing that you see and you're just like, well, hold on a second. Right. And usually Mm -hmm. at that time, people just keep their mouth shut and start to grow a thicker skin to not, you know, go by it. And then it's all about Mm self-preservation. Every single person wants to stay in the club, still wants to have the gym membership, still wants to have their face out there. They want the cars, the private jets, everything. Mm -hmm. The wine cellar. Right. They don't want to, you know, be like you and me where we're just like contractors and are like, well, you know, because I, I let me tell you, when I came to uh, Brennan 
and mm. I was upset with something I saw. I thought from seeing me from such a young age, you know, grow and be such a great drudge for all of them, right? That mm. it, there would be a no BS kind of, all right, you know, just tell it to me straight so I can decide, you know, I'm, I'm a person mm. that can keep her mouth shut. I just want to, it was, I got, I got slapped in the face with the worst assignments ever. Like armpits mm. of the world, we're talking, you know, in in the trenches where you know you trickle a little yeah, bit of pee play, in the if corner. If you don't play ball, yeah, it's it. Yeah. He he really hurt me. Um, mm. not not so much like pain wise, like hit me, but the assignments that I I was given compromised me as a person, as you know, a person. Because in the intelligence community, we all know it's all methods, right? Unmasking isn't such a big deal, right? But it is a big deal when it's on an international scale, right? Uh, the unmasking. Mm, yeah. Because then one day you like, you're like, yeah, it's over. I'm like 70 and no big deal. And they're like, hey, remember when you were 22? You just stepped into mm. our territory. Come here. Get into this pit. And then you're executed. You know, that's how mm. things go. So this was, uh, you know, one of the most um, atrocious things I saw, which is everybody's disposable. No matter how much money they've spent on you, no matter how mm. much you've done for them. Now, uh, Patrick, in the last like 15 minutes, believe it or not, we went through four. 45 minutes just like that, right? Mm -hmm. I want you, you know, and I'll chime in with my, you know, sarcasm as usual, because I already know this, to explain to my listeners just how identical what we saw with George Floyd right now in our mm -hmm. nation, how identical it was to the IIA we executed using the National Guard of California and New York in Ukraine. Well, um, in 2014, I saw what I believed was evidence of uh, IIA being used during the Michael Brown riots to instigate the riots and to, um, uh, and to uh, uh, support the rise of, of Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, I was in, uh, working a contract for Dynology in South Korea unrelated to IIA, but I conferred with a colleague of mine who was, you know, exceptional at trace routes. And he confirmed that, the actual, uh, the, the origins of that was in the Ukraine region, right? And I had actually, in fact, detected it because it was, they were using uh, sort of a bad uh, English-Russian uh, verbiage and repeating it, right? So it was one of the things that sort of turned, caught me on to it. So, yes, um, and, the, and that was actually confirmed uh, by um, uh, the, when, when the three comms were brought before Congress and they were asked questions, they confirmed that, in fact, uh, there was uh, uh, what, what amounted to IIA because nobody ever actually uses the, the legit, actual nomen, military nomenclature, interactive Internet activities. Nobody ever actually uses that, but like you and, and, and uh, myself and, and Millie. Millie always gets some twists around, bless her heart. And <laughs> so do I. I have to say it twice. So I do too, right? So, uh, so yeah, uh, they um, uh, they have uh, uh, been really using that. Um, they've been using this stuff uh, on us for quite some time. They have. Oh, yeah, they have. But what we saw in uh, Ukraine, right, mm -hmm. was what we see here. They created this division war. Mm -hmm. 
And because the Ukrainians that were like, nah, man, we don't want to be like EU, US owned. We want to be independent. Mm -hmm. We're already in the hole with the EU because all these fake loans, because that's how they own them, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, they weren't going to really bloodbath together because they're one Mm -hmm. nation, right? So what we did was we had Obama deployed National Guard groups from, you know, uh, California and New York, which are the sister cities, right? That's Mm -hmm. the, you know, they work with Ukraine. People need what to year look, was that? That was 2014. They okay. deployed them I, I there. was in Korea when that was going yeah. on. Yeah. Well, Millie actually did the work on there, and she was like, oh, my gosh, Tori, I can't believe you were right. This was indeed – because if you look at the National Guard, this is why Space Force is not doing a Space Guard, right? Uh, mm. National Guards are assigned to different nations, meaning that, um, you know, we um, deploy military to support that nation of that state. They're like mm-hmm. that's a UN thing, right? So what we did was it was our own National Guard were fighting against each other to cause the chaos. So then the Ukrainians can start, you know, building that bad blood between them. And we saw embassies on fire, right? Mm-hmm. We saw all this chaos. Well, the, the Maidan massacre, was right? Horrible. Right, but that was us. Mm-hmm. That was Barack Hussein well, Obama. Well, the and, and I, I actually totally agree. And I would go to the next step. And I would say, okay, so you even like Oliver Stone agreed. He he pointed that out during uh, his documentary, right? And um, so when when they are doing that, uh, if you if you agree that they're doing that in, in Ukraine, right? Like for the Maidan massacre, and you agree that it was a tactical organized operation. Well, any tactical organized operation is going to have a cops, you know, something that can provide you that common operational picture so the guys at the top can see what's going on, organize and coordinate it. And that's exactly what the Shadownet's designed to do um, as part of a non-attributional component of it, right? So I I, I would put a direct connection to that in Ukraine to the fact that uh, um, Burisma, uh, a huge oil influence with uh, Hunter Biden on the board and um, Atlanta council now have several uh, reported publicly reported uh, uh, connections and relationships involving those same uh, social justice programs. Right. So I can now put uh, like general Jones through the Atlanta council and John Huntsman through the Atlanta council. Um, directly to the Maidan incident, right? Um, I can put Paul Manafort, who was accused of using uh, uh, social media influence operations in 2010 in Ukraine, correct? I can put him in direct connection to the shadow net. He was our number one. He listed on his very own website that we were his number one partner. And, you know, it's not like he can just go down to, to the geek squad, call up the geek squad and have them bring you a social media psychological warfare application, right? Um, you go to someone that you trust and you know, and Manafort, I, he's being accused of the exact same thing that the Shadownet is designed to um, uh, facilitate. So it just seems to me that justifies a closer look, doesn't it? It does. And what I am, what I was aiming at, I just want people to know ShadowNet isn't like an internet IS address you go to. Just like Shadow Government, 
right? This is a shadow mm-hmm. net. This is an under net where it, I want you to picture it like roots under, if you can imagine the internet, like a ball, this is the roots and it collects all the information from the ball to siphon into one place. That is what mm-hmm. the shadow net is. So you can picture it. Now I'm saying, I believe that the software that Momentum is using when they're training these children through the Sunrise Movement, through BLM, mm-hmm. to deploy these uh, trigger events, you know, how they find them, and to deploy and to see where, where it would maximize, in what location, what city, what they have mm-hmm. to do is actually done through ShadowNet using mm-hmm. this information. That's, that's where I'm getting at. And so everybody is using it from big box companies uh, to sway us mm-hmm. to buy their stuff and like their yeah. stuff to Mo- move politics. milk off the shelf so it doesn't go bad, right? Uh, this you should, no, you should give that example. You should give yeah. that example because that's the thing. Even though it was done for good that you're using this ShadowNet to move product off your shelf before it goes bad like milk right Mm -hmm. even though it was done for good so there's no spoilage and that your customer you know doesn't fail you know and lose Mm -hmm. money it's still bad because we're hacking everybody's reality well it it it, it's a it's a very powerful tool that um most humans if given the choice to uh have this when they have like such a, a great amount of power they can't resist using it for their own benefit, right? This capability was developed by some of the greatest minds in psychological warfare our, our military has ever known. You're welcome. And it was in psychological warfare, right? Uh, the and, and on the cyber component that was added to it, right? Um, so we have really, really good people that built a capability, right? And that's all I ever say. It's a capability. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. It could help the PAO identify uh, the best avenue to be able to uh, to put out its narrative. And the PAO is obviously, uh, they're meant to be a, a, a propaganda machine. They're by nature and they're not hidden, right? It's, it's fully attributable. Same with VOA. But the problem with VOA, you know, it's supposed to be propaganda, but it's supposed to be pro-American propaganda. And in fact, there's a 2006 uh, study, uh, uh, investigation done by congressional Republicans that showed that in 2006, under Bush now, right? This isn't Obama. Yes. But under Bush, the VOA in Iran was literally um, um, promoting pro-Iranian anti-American propaganda throughout Iran at U.S. taxpayer dollars, literally hiring MSNBC producers that did not speak Farsi to um, oversee these, this, this, the dissemination of this. That is jacked up on every level. I'm sorry, Tori. <laughs> no, you're, don't apologize, man. I'm like there with you because, you know, uh, my job uh, throughout those years was pretty much psych warfare on, you know, to, you know, localize the strategy we want uh, mm-hmm. against foreign powers. So, for example, one nation security group was, um, uh, you know, uh, working with another one and they wanted to do a deal on energy, right? And mm-hmm. insert Tory comes in and she goes to the most susceptible one from the profiling that so many of us did. And I insert myself as someone there and um, I... 
convince them that they need to look the other way for an energy deal and not that way by dropping mm-hmm. simple hints like the right mm-hmm. magazine or play the right song. You know, we have that all mapped out. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as technology evolved, people like you and other contractors created it so it can this psychological warfare can be put onto the Internet as a weapon against our enemies, not against the people. And when hey, you, were you involved in that PSYOP uh, it, with the J-O, with the IOTF in Afghanistan in 2010? Right. With the PSYOP of the U.S. of the 12 U.S. senators. Was yes. That you? <laughs> so, like, so we just described so like, exactly so what like, they did. <laughs> so, like, so, like, yeah. So, like, we're, like, live on air. But, yeah, uh, the thing is, what people need to understand is that we, when we create these tools, they were, we were told and we were ambitious, right, to create tools to eliminate an enemy that we believed was the enemy the way they painted it right when in fact it was just for power when in fact Mm. it was just for that so we take that power we don't want to let go of that power right Mm. and there we go uh taking that power that 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 weapon that we created and turning it on ourselves i mean look patrick you and i aren't the first people talking about this remember bill binney well, the, we're NSA? the first ones he, to actually use the nomenclature. Well, Bill Binney tried, you know, where he created he that used software. IIA? Yeah. Well, he used that software where they're like listening into the Russians and stuff, and mm. then they use that, that against. Yeah. yeah, but still, it was to 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 actually use. He thought it was to get to the enemies, right? And instead, mm. he sees the intelligence community use it to hijack us and listen to mm. us and monitor us. That's the way it is, and it's like. There are so many people out there now, Patrick, that are uh, retired from the military, uh, within the intelligence community, you know, that I'm sure feel the same way you and I both do. For me, it Mm. was for different reasons. I mean, if I hadn't seen or heard, you know, what's up, I would have been like, whatever, right? If I hadn't seen what I saw, I probably would have been like, you know, it's just a job. That, for me, was a click. And I was like, whoa. You know, for you, it was like, what are you doing, man? If you're using it and profiting i made that hello so everybody's got their tick right yeah everybody's got a tick yeah i mean bill binney got fired right right. well you know bill binney got fired from the nsa and then they raided him while he was in the shower naked as if he was going to do something but Mm. you know bottom line is they have uh used weapons of mass destruction against the people now uh for everyone listening live on air um uh, we have 30 seconds. Um, you can say goodbye. Well, no, 10 seconds. You guys will listen to this on the upload because we'll continue just for 10 minutes before uh, we offload. So uh, wait for the podcast, guys, or jump on YouTube. Now, um, that okay, so we're offline on air at the moment. So we have our YouTube and Facebook people and obviously uh, the people that are going to be listening to this in a podcast. I want you to like just tie the ends of this because there's a lot of people out there that are like are you, you know, sure yeah <laughs> because i was gonna st- i was gonna tie the fact that um i was actually at the iotf uh between january and april in uh, kabul at uh i was at gv over in green village <laughs> and uh so it, i kind of i find it kind of funny uh that um you know uh that so I'm there. I'm seeing all this ridiculous crap going on. I resigned from there in April because they wanted me to 
secure a classified network with a, a, a Linksys home Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I couldn't do that and sign off on that. I could literally hack it with a Pringles can. And so uh, <laughs> from like a half a mile away. So um, I resigned from there. But then I read like years later that uh, about that same time I was leaving, that uh, Michael, uh, uh, Michael Hastings uh, did an article on that. Uh, exposing the IOTF using um, uh, IIA uh, to influence the 12 senators into pushing more money into the IOTF, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, because we need budgets, um, right? If we don't so, spend the money, we don't get it. And if we need more money, we need mm -hmm. to convince them we do. Yeah, so, and, and I'm talking, I'm trying to get out of there too at this time. Uh, hope, just praying at the time that Dynology had another contract opening up, right? So, you know, Jim kind of knows what's going on uh, with this, too. And so um, uh, I ended up uh, leaving there, uh, going to uh, South Korea. But shortly after that, um, I don't, or was it before that, uh, that uh, he broke the McChrystal story. Right. Oh, you're, so you're uh, talking Mike, about Michael Hastings, Hastings. Right. Yeah. I, I, I and how did he that. how did he break that McChrystal story? Right. He broke the McChrystal story because he was having a lunch with McChrystal and he somehow somehow General Jones's name got brought up by Hastings and that got a response from McChrystal that got him fired. Am I wrong? Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're 100%. <laughs> Any blanks you would like to fill in on that? Because that's as much as I can really pull out well, of there. No, right he now, got fired for there's that. There's got to be a connection. Well, you know, uh, Hastings put out the article, showed that McChrystal was just trying to mooch more money, put, pump mm -hmm. tons more money, because McChrystal believed that, you know, hijacking the Afghani reality, you know, if we mm -hmm. re if reality hack them, we could yeah. subdue the Taliban to be to come back to being just a political party and not be weaponized. I mean, you can't put the genie back in the bottle once you release it. I mean, come on. No, but you know? McChrystal and Jones were, were um, uh, they, they may have been friends. I don't know, but they, they were competitors. They Jones had the shadow net. McChrystal had whatever the hell he had, right? Uh, both were billed at taxpayer expense. I think ours was probably better, but that's just me being, you know. Look, and uh, <laughs> well, Crystal was a good but, uh, guy, was a good was yeah. a good soldier. He was a good strategist, yeah. uh, you know. Um, and uh, but you they know, are competitors. Yeah, Tori, but it comes right? down to power. So did Jones use Michael Hastings? I guess this is where I'm going. Did Jones yes. contract Hastings to take out McChrystal? I His would say 100%. And not only that, Hastings, <laughs> Hastings had told me that they were after General um, Flynn at some point. Now, we didn't get to meet up. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he died. Um, but he did get in contact with people um, and got information on John Brennan. Uh, that's what ultimately mm -hmm. got him killed. You know, because people... I would suspect. Well, you know, Peter Strzok was I investigating him. The second I saw that him. crash. Right, yeah. I know. Peter Strzok was investigating him before he died. There was an FBI mm -hmm. investigation on him. And who was on it? Peter Strzok. And people forget. It's always all in the family, isn't it, right? So Peter Strzok's daddy was the one that did the whole stuff in Iran. Peter mm -hmm. Strzok is the 
cover, dude. He was in everything from Crossfire Hurricane to, well, I'm not even going to name projects that haven't been named peel, publicly. Peel that, but, onion, peel that onion back, Tori, man. and you're going to find Khashoggi. Wait, let's not even get to Khashoggi because that was peel such Khashoggi rubbish. Back, peel Khashoggi back, and you're going to find his cousin, Anand Khashoggi. Oh, which goes all the way mm, to the all, all the way, way. To, to Princess Diane. That's who was driving Princess Diane's car. And, you know, they don't like pe- brother. Right. And these they don't, people are all connected. And that's the know? thing. When people see that it's, you know, they're the the, the safety pins to their show mm-hmm. and we're the prize. That's it. You know, um, so uh, I know that you did an, uh, you know, we've been doing interviews to like put the intelligence community on scope. And Millie Weaver's so great at pushing that out. So I hope everyone subscribed to her channel because that's going to be she's coming good out with soon. kittens too. She is. She's awesome. But she's great at um, having this objective uh, perspective and mm. asking the right questions sometimes because you and I are so entrenched in this stuff. Uh, sometimes we can't even answer questions straight because we forgot how to, and we kind of have to think like, um, can people I say to, that? <laughs> to under, people need to understand the personal risk that like you and, uh, Tori, uh, Tori and, and you, you and, uh, 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 Millie take right in exposing and, and speaking out and exposing the things that you see. Other people see the same things that you do, quote unquote journalists. They've, read the same oath of, uh, you know, journalist code of ethics as, as everyone else did. I actually doubt most of them actually read it, but there is a, such a thing online, right? And, uh, um, but you guys have actually stood up at, at your own personal risk, right? I, they, they destroyed me. There's really not much more they can take from me, but they, um, can take things from you and they can take things from Millie and God bless y'all for standing up and doing what you're doing and trying to get the message out best you can because they're, these people are subverting. Um, you were, you were in the Navy, right? So you fought for our government. You, you stood up and you fought for our government and you fought for the constitution and the first amendment in our constitution protects our privilege of speech. It protects our freedom of religion and it also protects the press, right? And I think I look at every single one of these people. I look at the 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 Janine Piros and the Sarah Carters and the Dan Bonginos and all of these other people that are I don't know what they're if they think they're trying to do something good by doing something bad. I don't know what they're thinking of. I don't know what their motivations are, but they're violating the sacrifices made by every person that served in our country to give us these freedoms, to give us going all the way back, right? To give us our constitution. You are spitting in the face when you use that for your own personal gain or for your own political gain and most likely political and personal. I don't think, I think people have completely lost sight of that. And when I see those same people wearing flag pins, it makes me sick to my stomach. My gosh, it does God, it Tori. to me too. I, you don't even have to say it. I'm the one that has my phone and I'm like ready to chuck it when I watch it. And mm-hmm. it's a good thing I usually, I, I literally, this is not a joke. When I lay in bed and I'm watching like, you know, news clips, you know, ready to tune out, kind of see what other people were saying. Uh, I have a pillow up against my headboard because I chuck it. 
It's just mm-hmm. a reflex. It's like, oh, you know, how could you call yourself this? You know, you know what I think the next step is? So I know you're going to be down at the RNC. I'm definitely going as well. Um, but the next round we should have is uh, we should have Millie because she's so great at questions, right? But have mm-hmm. you, me, Bill Binney, and all the others uh, because we're not speaking up to violate any codes of clearance, Right no, or to no. uh, give away We're national security secrets. Not giving the enemy secrets. anything they right. don't already have. And in, in right, for, no. But you know. the thing is, if no. they've committed crimes against the people of the United States, mm-hmm. they should be held accountable. Because yeah. I do believe that we should have uh, secrets as a mm-hmm. nation, and we should uh, you know hold those tight. Because right now I'm seeing. Uh, look at this. Have you heard the story of reality winner that chick that supposedly? Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you something. Like I can't even fathom so you know i don't want to mm-hmm. i didn't want to say anything to the mom because she's like for her daughter or whatever but they're mm-hmm. like she needs to get out she did what was right for her country you know she went before captain's mass and did the court and everything and said i'm so sorry you're not sorry because what she printed was actually fed information it was fake russia propaganda mm-hmm. information that they were trying mm-hmm. to plant against Trump. They used her right. as a as an asset. Exactly. And she didn't even know it. I know. And she's so people like people it's... like Jones and Hayden and Brennan with their tools will absolutely find individuals like that and exploit them and laugh all the way to the bank. I know they will. Think of let me real quick. I know we're running short. Edward Snowden, right? With his best of intentions, whatever they were, I have no idea. And I think he, what he did was completely wrong. Everything I talk about is literally on a flyer made commercially available by General Jones. That's how I get away with it. Same. But Clearforce, the application, was built by Dynology. And it was built to um, provide compliance to NISPOM. NISPOM being... A compliance, uh, NISPOM being a, a government requirement uh, agent agency that that people have to to if you if you have an employee that that has a clearance they have to you have to meet NISPOM compliance right so Snowden releases this information Jones and Hayden instead of going out there and maybe fixing the whistleblower laws that would have prevented it happening like it did they go out and they decide hey let's change the NISPOM requirements to have a behavioral, predictive behavioral component to it. Oh, and by the way, we just made this predictive behavioral component that will sell you for a nominal fee that you can use to make compliance. So Snowden thought that he was going to hurt these same people. These are the same people he was exposing. He not only did not hurt them, they started a, a, a brand new cottage industry off of it that, that, that probably added 10,000 bottles of wine to their wine cellar. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree because I think I think when, when he did what he did, right, when he did what he did, um, he instantly figured out that he was used, so he was upset. And mm-hmm. he thought that they hadn't predicted that, that they weren't, that Edward Snowden uh, would not, would not see it. Of course he would. He's smart, 
right? Yeah. He was a smart guy. They already knew where he was going to get pissed off, how he was going to do it, and they could predict it. So what did they do? They used that to their advantage so they could put him in that direct predicament and then use his whistleblowing as an mm-hmm. opportunity to deploy even more weapons against the people of the United States, mm-hmm. period. So he yeah. was a sucker in the end because he was used. That's the thing. They use you and you don't even know. I mean, yeah, and they laugh they all used, the way to the bank. Right, but they used me too. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know. I thought I was doing good stuff. I thought, you know, yeah. And then it's like, I actually took a step back and I was like, you know what? Uh, I've seen people get burnt. Maybe I shouldn't do it this way. Maybe yeah. I need to keep my mouth shut and figure things out on the side, you know? How do you Maybe- think the guy feels that replaced me in South Korea? You think he's going to go enforcing that the, the, the regulation that I enforce right. that protects <laughs> national security? Or is he going to say, I don't want to lose my job. You just guys just go, you don't, even though you don't have the required memorandums or authorization or clearance, you just go right ahead onto this classified network because I don't want to lose my job like the last guy did. Exactly. Right? And that's the that's thing. Obama, that's the, that's the toxic environment that Obama created. And I voted for that piece of crap. So hey. I'm really got some major buyer's remorse going there. Like you have no idea. Like who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? But the, the 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 main thing here is, and that's something that I've been reiterating over the years, uh, you know, on air, through Twitter, through everywhere, is that unfortunately people always revert to self preservation. If people actually entrusted some greater good that will protect them when they decide, you know what, I'm not going to let this happen. It's not about self-preservation. If people were not about self-preservation. It's about national security. Yeah, right. But it's not when it's a crime against the people. That doesn't mm-hmm. apply. That's where you could talk about Bill Binney said that. That's why they couldn't throw him in jail. Mm-hmm. They committed a crime. End of story. So when it's a mm-hmm. crime, you can talk about it. When it's a crime, mm-hmm. you can talk about it. But the thing is, people are all about the wine cellars, the mm-hmm. nice clothes, the nice cars, the ability to not get audited, the ability to own a house, right? Uh, to be left alone. Nobody leaves you alone. Once you're in, the devil never leads, leaves you. He might let you sit a couple tangos out, but he's mm-hmm. got you. And, you know, it's you know, General you. Jones doesn't have a an actual uh, Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm sure he has numerous, uh, I, I, I know he has uh, yeah, actually fake ones. persona accounts. Mm-hmm. But Tons yeah. Tons of them. Tons <laughs> of them. And the thing is, you know, I remember when I saw you coming up, uh, you know, on my chatter in regards to mm. your IG complaint, I was like, oh, this poor guy, he thought he had cover. You know, I felt bad yeah. for you because a lot of people have that. I've seen people get burned like that. Burned they like do that, that with on a, purpose, Tori. Let me tell you the, something. The, the IG oh. department is nothing more than a, 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 an honor, you know, like a, an ethos trap. If you have any ethos and you go to do the right thing, they can weed you out and get you the hell out of there so they can stay doing up to their shenanigans all that they want. That's all that is. I, well, I swear I know to God. a contractor right now that's living in another country had it start from zero because they destroyed her. They destroyed mm-hmm. her. She actually filed a yeah. whistleblower complaint. I don't know all the details of how it happened, but all I know is that, you know, I got the Dear Jane letter, hey, yo, you know, and I'm like, 
damn. And this is mm. when I was young and in it, and I was thinking, that's where I learned, uh, you know, contractors don't have, this is why they make all of us contractors. They take us yeah. out of the military, and they're like, hey, you're a contractor now. You're doing all the good stuff. And you're just like, yeah, yeah. I'm so cool. I wear civilian clothes. People listen to me. You know, when you're young, you love that. We you don't know? have the same PT requirements. Yeah, we get the good food, and we get to stay <laughs> in, like, the makeshift homes and nice hotels, right? Yeah. The Four Seasons, the Carltons, right? And everybody else gets the tents. And yeah. you're just like, yep, because I'm important, because I'm good at what I do. I'm the best localizer there is. And then, yeah. you know. Just stop playing ball and see right. what happens. But that's what they do. They dangle the little bling bling and, you know, mm -hmm. and you're mesmerized. You get sucked into it. That's and most it. people won't give that up. Most people, uh, most people will, uh, will uh, uh, just keep uh, doing what they're doing to keep that paycheck. Mm -hmm. Knowing that what they're doing is absolutely destroying national security. I know. But you get drawn into it and, you know, what are the chances on it? It's, it's tough. To, I, I get it. It's tough to walk away from something like that. But I didn't walk away from it. I'm still on duty. I'm just getting paid a lot less and I'm going to, you know, I was hired by the taxpayers to protect national security in South Korea on a very specific network. And until the threat actors that uh, removed me from there so that they could do illegally whatever they were ended up doing on that $10 billion uh, 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 J84 network, then uh, my job's not done until I hold them accountable for that. Well, it, just, it, it'll know, happen. That's just my nature. Well, and that's it, what they're going to have to deal with. I, it'll happen. And I believe that after these elections, that's where good starts coming forward. Because I believe that we need to have a very secure intelligence community with people of integrity. I mean, since we already have this predictive analytical software, right? You could find yourself that Joe, that Jane in America that may not fit the bill, you know, even for a Charlie clearance, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, you know, your regular public ones uh, because they have debt or, you know, you know, they, they date losers or they have 50 baby daddies, right? But you know that through your analytics that that person would never turn on their nation. That's the person mm. you want to hire. You don't need yeah, to hire... Yeah, but that's what they're going to be programming Clearforce to remove those people. Exactly, right? because they, because so, there are people like you uh, and that's me. That's how it works. Exactly, because it's people like you and me. I mean, they wouldn't have seen it coming. I was I was groomed from a very very mm -hmm. young age, but you know, other people that are coming in, you know, they see them. That's the people you want next to you. That's the people that the mm -hmm. president should be flanking himself with. Yeah. People that would yeah. be like, Nah, man, I'm I'm gonna stand here, spread eagle. You go, you riddle me with bullets. I'm good. Yeah, you know, you Trump can, needs to keep on path with getting rid of the IGs. Get rid of every damn one of them. Well, we got to start with Storch. Every damn one of them. Yeah, Storch. Be ID of the NSA. He's got to yeah. go. He's really got to yeah. go. Those every single fake. one of those IGs need Man, to go because it's... that's been, they've been, that system has been completely corrupted. Then we need to look at all those retired generals. We need to find something else for them to do other than selling weapons, right? Well, we not just selling show weapons. Show them a little cafe in uh, Miami or something. Yeah, or we a tiki need to give bar. Them something else to do. Yeah. 
I mean, they get paid well. They could just go home. They serve their country. We can honor them. Mm -hmm. They could help with colors in their city and uh, Mm -hmm. doing things to pump out patriotism, not sit there and create contracting companies that do things like paper shredding for Mueller, Mm -hmm. you know? And, 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 (laughs) And determine our domestic and foreign policy. I'd like to think that the person I voted for in my community at the national and state level were the people that were actually implementing the um, policies of our foreign and domestic policies, but they aren't. It's these people right here. It's the Brennans, the Jones, the Haydens, the tri- Trilateral, the, the, the Atlantic Council, Fox News, CS, CBS, all of these organizations are determining our policy. And we haven't had a situation where you and I go to the poll and vote for someone and that someone who stated they're going to represent our, our, you know, beliefs or whatever. And that person goes on to do what they say that hasn't existed in, in a couple generations now. Yeah. We need to get that back. No, that's what I, this is, this is what I believe president Trump is doing, trying Mm -hmm. to bring that back. But unfortunately, you know, people are so two faced Right. Because uh, many of my listeners, I see them retweeting all these people from mainstream media and, you know, they're and I'm air quoting independent outlets where they're writing mm-hmm. stories. I'm like, dude, they're all bought and sold by the same people. But yeah. I can't say it because then it destroys that. There's no there's no reason for me to cause that division. There's no reason for me to call them out because in mm-hmm. the end, people pull their own pants down, don't they? I mean, yeah. you know, and we've just got to be patient that people are waking up taking a step Anthony back Weiner and looking sure at does. <laughs> man i can't wait till that stuff comes out you know that all right um patrick thank you for being on you're going to be on again i know if if you don't run through my area between now and august we're going to see each other at the rnc um mm. but um again tell everyone where they can find you um you know your uh facebook twitter uh website uh- uh, uh, victimofthesswamp.com has, you know, a lot of my information. Uh, freedomstream.tv is where I'm going to be, uh, where I'm actually starting to do a lot of live streaming to. Uh, but uh, what I really need help with is to get about 500 more. And if I'm not, I, I think this is what the deal is. If I get to 1,000 people, uh, subscribers, then I can live stream instead of doing something and then it uploads afterwards. So I think if, according to them, if I get to a thousand people and then I'll be able to actually live stream as I'm going around on the American awakening. So if you could help me, if your listeners could help me go to uh, at PFC or PFC 40 book uh, and look up under the, uh, the American awakening and subscribe to the American awakening. And I'll start being able to actually live stream throughout my travels and with people I meet and be able to give you sort of an unfiltered, uh, shadow net, mo- unfiltered view from the mobile mega shadow net mobile, uh, which is named thusly to mock these people, not to actually be doing anything unethical. 
Yeah, well, so everyone's just, awakening. Just to mock them. Yeah, you know, <laughs> everyone is coming up with the Great Awakening. And when they realize just how many patriots like you and I are out there working together mm. under a common goal, maybe a common, you know, sim- you know, symbolically, right, w- that we're all working together and we're all manifesting in different places but congregating in one, uh, that gives them hope. Uh, remember, just like the president said, uh, just because there's a plan, just because there's people out there doing things doesn't mean you sit there you speak you tweet you talk to people you have conversations people need to wake up and yes i am one of those people that still retweet these clowns right the ones that i know Mm -hmm. that are clowns but i'm okay with it why because of what they say for now because at some point that's all going to change because everything comes back to the surface um on that note everyone uh god bless and i will see you guys tomorrow same time same place patrick i'll be waiting for you up here for a quick iced coffee okay Thanks, Tori. See you guys tomorrow. God bless.